From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Wow. Okay, that was a good interview. We'll uh, we'll review that one. Randy Peterson was on with us from Des Moines, talking about the Iowa State coaching situation. And uh, my impression is that TJ Otzelberger to Iowa State is very, very, very close. So essentially, we've got three or four stories. You know what, Ari? I'm going to uh, call an audible. I won't do it like I did a couple weeks ago, where it's obvious the audible is happening. I'll just say it. Um, we're going to have four number ones here. These are all four headliner <laughs> stories. There is no big five today. Let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. The Big Four at Five. Number one. Number, Number one. one. Crank it up. We want to hear it. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. All right. Number one story. There's four of them. First of all, we come out of the gates. All right, Sisolak, your turn. Your turn. Uh, if Dana White is going to be a... Uh, well, I wouldn't even call him a COVID hoaxer. Aggressive when it comes to COVID. We need the events here. We need crowds here. Let's go, Steve. Let's go, Big Steve. Because Florida, remember how I flipped out back in, like, was it June? When uh, Riverboat Ron was like, let's roll the dice with COVID, right? Everyone <laughs> take a chance. Riverboat Ron of the governors, um, he was starting to bring events to, when, when was the Jacksonville event? When was that one? May. That was, was in May. May. I was like, I was thinking July. He came right out in May and was doing it. Um, May. The, Adam, the UFC is is ready to do live events. They've had enough of the, uh, the their their local gym here, the Apex. Are they really going to try to do fifteen thousand in less than a month in Jacksonville, Florida? That's the plan. Let's do uh, it. It's uh, well, it's a little over a month right now. Uh, I think it's April twenty fourth is the date, but about five weeks from now. Uh, Jacksonville, Vistar, Veterans Memorial Arena, the same place that they went to for those three three fights back in May, uh, will be the home of the UFC's return to 100% capacity. I, I'm very conflicted on this because, obviously, I want to be in an arena with a ton of fans and watching events, but yep. also, like, it's not time yet. So, like, and it's not even that far off of the timeline, right? Like, uh, it was uh, about two months ago on the show – where we were looking at some scientists that were kind of pointing right around that exact date, like April 22nd, April 23rd as the time when like there'll be, you know, supply will outweigh demand in terms of vaccine. So it's like right around then when we're going to be just on the verge of getting back to actual normalcy. So it, it, it just feels like they're just, they're just barely going ahead. Like you just have to get a head start. They have to be first. They've talked about that so many times. But, like, you wait, like, four or five weeks from then? But, but here, Adam, but but here's the thing. Why wait? They haven't waited. Um, now we've got – do we have now a second fighter who's like, dude, I'm not ready to fight. I'm not I'm not back from COVID. Uh, who is it? Shemaev was having yeah. trouble. And he's like, I can't recover. Is it Paulo Costa now who's like, I- I'm not recovered? So, like, this has been this has been the attitude the whole way. Hey, you're ready to fight or else? You're ready to come to the – the events or else. States are ready to host this thing or else. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And and that was that was the attitude from the beginning. When people were criticizing the UFC for going forward with events, like the the questions were asked. I asked the question multiple times. Like, what why you're you're doing this, you're putting fighters in a dangerous situation, and you're you know, you're you're bringing them back and saying, Hey, go fight, and there's a pandemic going on. 
And, you know, yes, the safety precautions got better and better for the UFC. And a lot of it, you know, there, there was testing and there was medical care and all those sorts of things. But the attitude was, hey, if you want to fight, fight. If you don't, don't. And, yeah, that's fine to say. But we all know that you're also getting penalized. Like, you're, if you're saying no and you're not fighting, we know that there's repercussions for those guys. And so you are putting people in a position where they have to go fight. And, and there was, you know, some of what they said was accurate. Some of what they said was, hey, we have fighters that live in very remote places that don't really have access to medical care. And what we're doing is testing them regularly and giving them medical care if they do test positive. And that's a good thing. And that, that's, that's a fair point. But, like, I do think the pressure that it was put on some fighters to go compete in a pandemic was somewhat unfair. And now we are seeing, like, people that say, hey, you're an athlete, you're going to be fine. Okay, are we going to argue that elite UFC fighters are not great athletes and not in great condition, and yet they're being affected by this for months and months at a time? Like, you you do understand that this goes against everything that you're arguing, you hoaxers out there. This goes against everything that you're arguing. And, by the way, I mean, you referred to Dana as a COVID hoaxer. I think that's fair. Like, he, he's kind of been, you know, dis, dismissive of the situation. Now, again, the UFC did put – they put – protocols in place for Jacksonville the first time they sucked and they weren't followed and then Nevada made them follow them much more closely and so then they got better and better because they were forced to from regulation but now they're going back to Florida and I'm telling you I was there I covered events in Florida and I covered events in Nevada and the ones in Nevada were much better run and much safer because there was regulations that were put in place that they had to follow and Florida was a freaking free-for-all and nobody cared what was going on and they let anything go and so that's what's going to happen this time, too. I mean, it's just – it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's like a radio show host going to his co-host and going, you know, we're going to do 90 shows during a pandemic. Let's go. Number one. And I missed the key line there. 90 road shows during a pandemic. Yes. So yes. the finger wagging at Dana. Eh. A little shaky. I'm on. I'm on shaky ground. By the way, I didn't make anyone do a show on the road. Um, give me number one again. Number one. Oh boy. Oh boy. Adam Hill breaking news, left and right. Breaking news, left and right. VGK last night. Nice win. Sluggish start, but man, at home they're freaking beast. Mark Andre Fleury, he of the uh, statue at some point in front of the fortress. He was great. Stone and patches, ridiculous together, and. What was that I saw in the corner of that shot on TV? Was that Alex Bertrangelo? Is that a cast on his left wrist? Uh-oh. It is. Didn't you, didn't you mention the wrist might be the long-term injury? Not long, long-term, but the long-term injury last week? Well, yeah, because we we did the the game of VGK1 announced injuries. What is the injury? Let's right. speculate, and you uh, asked me to just speculate, and if I had to take a wild guess what it was, and I said, I think it's a broken hand or wrist, um, that picture last night, and of course that wasn't supposed to be seen by anybody, that was Alex Petrangelo waiting in the locker room to uh, congratulate his teammates and then being caught on the, on the AT&T camera uh, as, they, as they walked off the – or as they skated off the ice uh, with that cast on his, on his left – arm hand wrist uh however you want to put it but it does appear that that is the injury uh and you know not that hard to figure out i mean he took a hard shot off of it uh before he exited the game but uh that does look like what the injury is and uh we will see how long he is out with it but 
again, never get any real injury reports from the Golden Knights, but this one uh, is just a, by happenstance, we get to see where the protective cast is on mm. Alex Petrangelo. So still don't know if it's broken necessarily. Uh, right. I believe it is, uh, just on speculation, but uh, there definitely is an injury to uh, to the lower left arm. How do you think the rest of the league right now is reacting to Stone and Pacioretty freaking flying up and down the ice as big as they are? Uh, I think they're probably reacting like, man, when Max Pacioretty was available in a trade, we probably should have taken him. Uh, not just because you get, <laughs> not just because you get Pacioretty on your team, but you keep those two apart. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter who's centering their line. It could be, you know, it's pretty interchangeable at this point. You see a lot of Chandler Stevenson; he gets hurt. You see Cody Glass slide in there. Doesn't matter whoever's centering that line. Uh, they've been incredible, and like the 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 chemistry they have is ridiculous. Like you know, Pacioretty known more as the uh, you know the shot maker, and and Stone more of a playmaker and somebody that'll create. But then last night you saw them reverse roles. That they they teamed up on the first one, and Pacioretty scored. But then Stone gets a goal off a brilliant play by Pacioretty. So it uh, kind of works both ways with them. They understand where each other are. They know where each other are. They're friends off the ice. Uh, people talked about this chemistry before uh, Stone got here, but you're really seeing it in action now. Number one. What in God's name is happening? Yesterday, it looks like uh, Yannick Ngakwe is going to the Raiders, so I, that we, we still think that's the case. Who is playing offensive line? Kyle Long was in for a second day, right? So give me an update on Kyle Long. And now we find out that Rodney Hudson could be cut or he asked for his release. So now you're looking at Big Trent traded, Gabe Jackson cut, although it hasn't happened yet. Hudson gone and Incognito gone, could come back, but right now gone. Yeah, and Colton Miller, uh, recent news in the last 20 minutes or so. No. Uh, could, could be No, could be looking at an extension. Whew, okay. So they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't get Colton Miller extension. All, all five guys. <laughs> we're, we're getting a whole new line. I will uh, – I'll say this. Uh, did you see Kyle Long's tweet like 20 minutes ago? It was just an airplane emoji. So I oh, assume no. I assume he's gone. Oh, he no. Are the Chiefs up next? <laughs> Possibly. We'll see where, where he stops. Come uh, on. Maybe- oh, your dad played for the team. Let's go. Maybe he'll take, do like uh, a, take league minimum and and uh, and incentives. Well, is it possible that he was like, "Wait, am I going to be the only lineman? Like, are we going to line up <laughs> like one of those one of those trick field goal formations with only one or two linemen on the field? Is that what we're going to do every time? I don't uh, want to be a look, part of that. Look for uh, the Carr family led by Derek to be putting us some jets soon. If the if we don't get some answers on the offensive line, I can yeah, only imagine Camp Carr and the and the uh, the agent are ready to fire out some messages to uh, local media and national. Like, let's go. Yeah, this is a this is a crazy situation. Now, I'm going to say they have a plan. Of course, they do. I, I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, they do. You I know don't they... think you just. I don't think you just release your entire offensive line. Exactly. If there's if there's no plan, yeah. so we'll see exactly where this ends up. But you know, people that are freaking out, like, listen, I don't. I can't imagine that the plan is. Hey, we're just going to start over. We got a couple of backups that we can plug into the starting lineup now. We're good to go. Like I, I, They have to have some plan. And I do believe Richie Incognito is still part of the plan to come back. So the left side should be taken care of. Now you got to figure out the right side. And they do like Andre James, even though he wasn't really playing very much. Like Denzel Good could be back in the mix. Like there, There's guys that you know you could theoretically work with. But I, I have to imagine 
that that's not the plan to just not have any linemen. Number one. Man, that escalated quickly, right? I feel like as the UNLV sideline reporter on radio, I'm, I'm pulling out a trident right now when it comes to TJ Altsberger. What just happened? What's that spinny ball thing? I'm, I'm like ducking that thing. I don't know. They got the the, the the like the the ball with the spikes on it. You spin it. I don't know what it would do you know, from Game of Thrones. I, or whatever. I know Medieval what you're ball. talking about. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it is. You're right. It's a, yeah, you used, I think he used one of those to split a, a chicken in half at medieval times. They, they used to hand them out. Uh, they didn't. All right. So we just talked to Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. And, you know, folks, we Adam and I were talking about this back on February 15th that, hey, TJ Altsberger is going to be on the candidate list and he may be one of the two or three favorites. This thing has moved quickly. Nothing's done yet. Right, Adam. But Randy Peterson was saying from the paper in Des Moines, you know, covering the situation in Ames that he thinks most of the work has been done by the AD and he expects a decision before the end of the week that they're not going to wait for NCAA coaches, NCAA tournament coaches. So, I mean, you tell me what you got out of that Peterson interview. Did you hear what I heard? I mean, to me, it seems like what I thought before the interview, but it was just kind of clarification that it's close to done. And there's, you know, anything can happen. Anything can step in the way. There could be, you know, some other coach could step in and some high level coach that say they want the job. Who knows? Could be a power uh, broker. It could be a power broker who steps in and says no. Um, I sure. don't think this would be, you know, a, a Doc Travis situation where you'd have an uprising of fans who are like, we don't want that guy, because I think a lot of the fans there do love TJ Altsberger. So right now we're in a holding pattern, but it, it may not be very long. This is crazy. Yeah, not I mean, crazy. My, it's the it's the speed with which it may be happening, and you know you've got you guys here locally said he's the favorite. There, they're all over TJ Altsberger in terms of you know getting a deal done, and and Randy didn't. I mean, when I mentioned other candidates, he didn't seem like real bullish on any of the guys I named, and then he he didn't really have any other names. Yeah, and and I think you you kind of got that sense if you. Um, I did. Uh, I did support local journalism. By the way, I bought the subscription to the Des Moines Register today uh, to follow their coverage of what's going on there. Um, reading their story this morning, you were like, "Oh, T.J. Altsberger was hired as the coach." Okay, really? Uh, they had a, they had a candidate wrong. list. Yeah, they had a candidate list, and it was like, "Here's four candidates: uh, T.J. Altsberger. He will get the job. Uh, Fred Hoiberg. Well, it would just be kind of weird to revisit your past and blah 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 blah." Um, you know, uh, DeVries from Drake. Well, you know, he's close, I guess. Like, you know, there was just like, they were just throwing other candidates out there just to throw them out there. Uh, they made a very strong case that T.J. Altsberger is the guy. Uh, I have a strong feeling that T.J. Altsberger is the guy. If I were a UNLV fan, if you're listening and you're a fan, my thoughts would mostly be right now on who's next. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Yeah! The Raiders parted ways from starters Richie Incognito, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, and now Rodney Hudson in a couple of weeks. 
what a situation. What the hell is going on? Gruden's like, knock on wood if you're with me. And that son bitch didn't knock. If he's not knocking on wood with us, do we even need him around here? It's going to cost us $2 million that we don't have. But f- it, get him out of here. What is going on over there in Las Vegas? Hey. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Pat McAfee cussing on ESPN Las Vegas. Unbelievable. I don't think Rodney Hudson is a some bitch, as uh, Jackie Gleason would say in Smokey and the Bandit. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Uh, we don't know exactly what's happening with Rodney Hudson. Cut. Asked for his release. I guess we'll get some details here shortly. Uh, you know, as we were saying throughout the show today, Adam, this is one of those days with so much breaking news that there's stuff that we would normally spend a half an hour, an hour on. Um, it's kind of a big deal on the Mountain West basketball front that a Patino is coming to the conference. Rick Sherd, Richard Patino. Sorry, that was cheesy. Uh, Richard Patino, <laughs> did, was he unemployed for like uh, five minutes? Right, maybe. maybe. I mean, I got it. How long was this, right? He gets dumped. By Minnesota, clearly he knew he was going bye-bye, and he was negotiating and talking to New Mexico before that, which um, maybe is the norm now in a COVID season that, like, hey, you need a coach? You got to start hustling. By the way, I think this is the norm in most years. There there are contacts made when people have jobs and other people have jobs, and you're looking for a job and someone's still employed, but, like, hey, the word is out. They're going to go bye-bye. So at New Mexico, they're going to bring in Richard Pitino. I like the hiring uh, from this standpoint. They're going to get him a lot cheaper than the rate he was at, right? Basically, New Mexico right now, as Jeff Grammer has told us, can afford something in the seven or $800,000 range. Well, Richard Pitino is making a lot more money at Minnesota, so he can afford, one, he wants a job, but two, to take a, a deep pay cut. He's made a lot of money, right? I think it's a good hire. Am I a fool on Richard Pitino? Because I think he can recruit. I still, I still think he's developmental as an X's and O's guy, but for New Mexico, when you're that cash-strapped, it's probably a good get. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much he energizes the fan base. I think that's a big deal of what New Mexico needs. I mean, we know that they have a, a very active fan base, a very passionate fan base, but they kind of need to be you know, activated and brought back in, and I think possibly uh, he could do that. I mean, the style is, is fun. Uh, it's a fan-friendly style when they're when they have the right players in place to play it. Uh, there's oft, oftentimes, you know, Minnesota. He really didn't have that, but uh, if you get the right guys in there, I, I think they could uh, they could win fairly quickly. And and I think uh, you'll see the fans come back in droves to the pit. That said, that they blow it by not nabbing Tim Miles because he's going to get a I job would, somewhere. Yeah, I would have hired Tim Miles. Um, that's what I would have done. But you know, he was available, and I would just point out, Steve. I, you know, while we're on breaking news. According to the Las Vegas Review Journal, TJ Otzelberger is leaving the program. Oh, it is official. You guys are reporting it. Uh, I'll just read from my colleague Sam Gordon's story. UNLV basketball coach TJ Otzelberger is leaving the program to accept the same job at Iowa State, according to multiple multiple people with knowledge of the situation. Nothing has been finalized, but two people familiar with the details characterize the departure as "quote a done deal." Wow. I say wow. I'm not shocked, but. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm surprised at how quickly it happened. Woo! Well, we're back at it again, baby. And I'm not calling you baby as a <laughs> as a sign of uh, affection. But how many of these have we done now? 
if this is true, RJ is reporting, the uh, LVRJ is reporting that Otts is going to Iowa State. How many of these coaching searches and lists have we been through? Oh, mama. <laughs> Happens again. We here we feels go. Like we're just, feels yeah. like we're just here. Oh, no. These are fun, though, aren't they? Uh, I, early candidate list, I'm hearing Thad Mata. So we'll see. One of us is going to make the joke. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you're talking about. It would, you know, it'd be amazing if if uh, anyone actually saved all those tweets uh, ripping on you, saying the search was over before Otzelberger, that Thad Mata had the job like five days before it was officially announced. But I don't know anyone who saved those. <laughs> this is wacky. Why would, why, why would wow. Wow. All right, we'll react some more. And, you know, we're going to talk to Stormy Bonatoni, uh, who covers uh, VGK as she comes on with us weekly. And we'll get her take on, uh, you know, how it's going to feel when Brian Dutcher leaves San Diego State for Minnesota in about a week. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Bouncing puck into the night's end. Tapped away by Hague. Stone starts it up the right wing. Pacioretty through the right circle for Stone. He scores! 2-0 Vegas. Mark Stone finished it off from the inner rim of the right wing circle. It's time for VGK ringside reporter Stormy Bonantoni on Cofield and Company. Oh, mama. What a day. What a day. So much crazy news. Rodney Hudson looks like he's going to be gone. Arguably the best player, most reliable player from the Raiders could be cut. Uh, TJ Otzelberger, according to the Review Journal, has taken the job or is going to take the job. Am I phrasing it correctly? At Iowa State. Uh, you just said during the break, Robin Leonard is now back. What's going on with Leonard? Uh, looks like he's been just taken off the IR list on the official uh, okay. NHL site. So uh, he's closer to a return. Jeez. The only thing we're missing on the uh, college basketball front is that news that Brian Dutcher is leaving for San Diego State. But we'll have to wait a couple of weeks to see what the Aztecs do in the tournament. Stormy, how you doing? I'm good. I did not like San Diego State's tournament matchup with Syracuse, but I will survive. Yes. I, I, well, if it means anything, I like it. So maybe that's a kiss of death. But uh, you guys will you guys will take care of Cuse. No problem. Yeah, I, I hope so. It's been they've been for sure a really fun team to watch. So uh, especially the fact that I don't know if you saw the video of Brian Dutcher doing a little bit of a trust fall after cutting the the nest down after the Mountain West tournament. Like I think that they're feeling pretty good and definitely excited for March Madness. Yeah. It's like Christmas time in my household. I I uh, wonder if the players were like, uh, "Hey, Coach Dutch, we'll catch you if you say right now, one hundred percent, you're staying." Right. <laughs> there you go. But also, can you imagine Steve Fisher doing that? Like, that's kind of like right where my head went. I was like, that would be a little scary. Uh, yeah, I was there. I was actually terrified for about a second and a half as he was falling. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is not good. Uh, what, a, what a disaster. Well, let's just get into it. How how are you going to be watching the game? An NCAA tournament game, what is it like for you to be around you as you watch your aspects? <laughs> I'm a hot mess. Actually, you would laugh. So there's, um, I, I went to Palo Verde out here for high school, and there's a girl who wants to be a sports reporter that I've just kind of been talking to, and she wanted to do like a Zoom session while we were on the road this past week, which also happened to be um, championship night. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, a semifinal game, and I'm, um, I'm 
on the Zoom before I realized she joined it, and I'm screaming at the television. So if that, like, gives you any insight into, like, who I am as a person, I was all by myself in a hotel room screaming at a television screen while this poor, like, 18, 19-year-old girl is just like, hi, Stormy, how are you? <laughs> uh, sadly, I can relate. Uh, that's, I have a mess watching games that I care about. Uh, last night at the Fortress, the T-Mobile Arena, where the Golden Knights returned from their road trip, uh, not the prettiest effort, but we'll, I will start with this. It's amazing how just a few more fans made a huge difference. Like, that little bit of percentage increase seemed massive last night. Yeah, and it's it's just so fun to to be in the arena and having people there again. Like, I, the, the players can feel it from the very start of warm-ups, and it just lasts all throughout the game. And you can tell people are just so excited to be there. So the 20% has been great. Um, hopefully that number continues to increase past March and we just keep seeing this trend in the right direction because it makes the game so much more fun. It makes everybody in the city feel like they're closer and more connected with the team and the team loves it. So uh, it was great. And yeah, you said it, it was kind of a weird game. It was a little bit of a slow start, um, but when you still aren't playing your best in the first period, but leave the period with a one nothing lead, um, you're, you're in a pretty good spot. So things worked out all right. Uh, will will Mark Andre Fleury ever be able to take a nap? Can we just get him some rest at some point? <laughs> it's funny, Pete Tabor is saying, like, tell me how the oldest guy on the ice has the most energy uh, to start this game. Yeah, the, he deserves a nap. I can tell you that much. But for somebody who's just as competitive and um, invested in this team as, as he is, you know that he'd play any night that you want to put him in. He. Um, he started 16 of the last 17 games. But I know you guys are talking about Robin Leonard um, coming off the IR, which is excellent news. Um, but the fact that without him available for more than a month now, the last game Leonard played was February 7th, that Flurry's gone 11 and 5 uh, in that time, 15 and 5 on the year, um, leads the NHL in save percentage, goals against average shutouts. Like, you could not have had a, a better option in net than what you have given your circumstance, and it's been really, really impressive. Uh, Will Carrier also off the IR, so close to return. Uh, this is this is to see the roster getting back to full strength at this point. Yeah, it's and you know it's it's just kind of what you expect in what's already kind of a weird year. I mean, in the regular season when it's eighty-two games, you see guys just kind of popping in and out, and you got to have a next man up mentality, but. Whether it's Robin Leonard, Will Carrier, Alex Petrangelo, who I mean, Braden McNabb coming back, you're going to have injuries. It's just the natural evolution of a season. But great to see um, more and more bodies being able to become available for sure. Especially, I mean, I I can't say enough good things about um, what it would mean for the team to have Robin Leonard back and the whole plan from day one of that big contract that Leonard signed coming into this year was that you have that luxury of the tandem of two elite goaltenders for the back half of the season and into the playoffs, and that's what you need to be successful. Um, and so it, it, it's a huge get to be able to have him getting back integrated with the group. Stormy Bonatoni joining us uh, here on the program. She does each and every week, uh, breaking down what's going on with the Golden Knights. Uh, you just mentioned you know, what that you know, rotation could look like and having two of the top goaltenders in the league uh, healthy and ready to go. Uh, but you know nobody knows the answer to this. But in your mind, what is what is the plan now? Like, does it change from what it was before the year, based on how well Mark Andre Fleury is playing? Yeah, I have no idea. 
<laughs> and that's something, you know, it seems like in a lot of the, the things I've heard George McPhee say publicly and the goals that Pete DeBoer has stated from the onset of the season is that you do want to have as much of that rotation as possible. Um, and it's good to be able to have both guys fresh and energized throughout this back half of the season. Marc-Andre Fleury's played a lot of hockey. It might be nice to give him a little bit of time, but then at the same time, Flowers, a guy who says that he plays at his best when he gets into a rhythm. So, um, you know, it's kind of just figuring out what works best for both goalies, what um, results-wise works best out for the team when they are in net. Um, in the five games that Robin Leonard did play, he was 3-1-1, one, and one, so obviously he had a winning record in the time that he had started. And um, the only flack, the only bad thing that you could say potentially about Robin Leonard's performance early on was that he was a little bit slow to start. You know, he'd let in a goal on the, the first or second shot of the game and then be rock solid from that point on. So he was still trying to get acclimated to his game this year um so i'm excited to see what happens the the way that they do ultimately do the rotation when robin leonard is back in will it be one and one will it be two and one uh we're not sure yet we just have to wait and see uh do they go with my plan stormy of start what's your Mark plan <laughs> start mark mark andre flurry in the first period and then let leonard play the second <laughs> and third period because that's where he's been great Genius. Yeah, you know, yes. I don't think that's going to work out. I'll, I'll send your request to Pete, but, uh, okay. you know, can't really help you out there. Please do that. That's analytics. That's breaking it down. He's He struggles <laughs> in the first period. Bring him in in the second. Um, who is in trouble for showing Alex Petrangelo on TV last night? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's <laughs> that hallway <laughs> cam, right? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're kidding, but Alex Petrangelo was yeah. seen with a – a cast on his hand last night, which is not really a secret. I mean, it's a secret because we don't talk about NHL injuries. Everybody saw what happened on the ice and what was going on, but uh, Alex Petrangelo at least is with the team. He's there. Uh, you know, we will find out how long he's out for, but uh, as of right now, still one of the guys that is injured uh, for the Golden Knights. Well, you know, the the game against the Sharks last night, uh, just to get back into what the atmosphere is like, and do you still – I think we've talked about this a couple of times, but do you still feel – like an intensity, is there still a rivalry with the Sharks, even though they're not good? You know, it's interesting, yes. Um, and so I don't even know if, like, rivalry is the right term for it, but there's certainly emotion and intensity in those games, regardless. Of, I mean, obviously the Golden Knights have won every one of them this year, but you still see that aggression, that nastiness of we clearly don't like each other, and that's why it, you know, it's hard to say it, it, rivalry being the word because it hasn't been kind of that back and forth essentially since that playoff series that shall not be spoken about any longer. <laughs> um, but they're fun. They're fun games. You know, you can't help but like the Curtis Gabriel and Ryan Reeves back and forth that we've seen lately. Uh, when Max Pacioretty is a guy that gets fired up, it's, it's fun to watch. And I, I enjoy watching these games. I don't think that I'm going to stop enjoying watching these games. And while Pete DeBoer has obviously never said it, you've got to imagine that he gets a little bit of added satisfaction from winning these games the way that he has, too. Did we have any problems with the hotel in St. Louis? Did they stay open the whole time you guys were there? We made it. We got to stay the whole time. It was great. And the lobby, I keep telling everybody, I keep bragging about the, the lobby at the hotel that we stayed at because it just smelled like brown sugar and happiness. Like, if I could live what? in that... 
lobby. <laughs> I wouldn't be too mad about it, but it was really, really nice. I will say just to end the road trip on, on a high note where, um, you know, you got the false positive test from Mark Andre Fleury out of your mind. You got the change of the hotel room out of your mind. You, you know, you just were finally able to move on end the long road trip, six games in nine days on back to back wins against St. Louis. And then you come back home and handle business at home. So all things uh, well and good after that. Do we? Was there an actual scent of brown sugar and happiness, or is that just a good feeling? Like, do we, do we pinpoint where this came from? I don't know what happiness smells like, but I imagine it has some. It's something like that. Lobby. I can't explain it. It was glorious. It just. You smile walking through it. You tell everybody how good it smelled later. I'm not alone in this. Ask anybody, okay? Okay. It sounds like a gingerbread factory or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to get to the bottom of this. Uh, we'll we'll figure this out at some point. Uh, Stor- Stormy, awesome as always. We appreciate it and uh, keep finding the gold outfits. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but you keep coming up with them. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen if I ever, like, down the line get a different job and I'm just going through my closet. Like, what do I do with all these gold pants? <laughs> You're going to be the Human Academy Award. <laughs> but, That's no, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. Honestly, job. anytime I find anything gold, I'm like, all right, we're in. Exactly. Awesome. We, Stormy, thank we you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. There she is, Stormy Bonatoni, ringside reporter. For the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll come back. We'll get a little more reaction on uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal reporting that TJ Altsberger is gone. He is off to Iowa State. Paper saying it's a done deal, according to a couple of sources. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So a report from the Review Journal, Sam Gordon is on this one. Not you, right, Adam? Uh, no, this is Sam. Okay. Sam Gordon, who has been around the UNLV program for a while now, and uh, he's reporting that uh, Otzelberger is leaving the program to accept the same job at Iowa State, according to multiple people with knowledge of the situation. Nothing has been finalized, but two people familiar with the details characterize the coach's departure as, quote, a done deal, barring a change at the 11th hour. Okay. Altsberger and uh, UNLV AD Desiree Reed Francois could not be reached for comment. So I think we'll reserve any further comment. If you want to, do you have anything else to add? Because I, uh, I, I will go back to a conversation we had about three weeks ago, though, around this whole situation. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I guess that's a no on following up on that one. Um, when we mentioned this back on February 15th, that it is a reality that he's going to be a candidate, uh, there was a lot of pushback. And there were a lot of people who were like, uh, why is this even a conversation when they still have a coach? It's a conversation. These conversations go on all the time. Um, of course and I remember, mentioning, I remember mentioning all athletic directors have a list because you never know what's going to happen, Adam. And they're always looking for that you know they always have their their list just in case because you never know in case a coach leaves cage in case a coach some hey who knows in case a situation goes south right 
you never know what's on the horizon in terms of something that could take a coach down. So um, if this does happen, I don't think UNLV will be completely unprepared. But my whole point three weeks ago is that because uh, a lot of people are like, this is irresponsible. It's not irresponsible to talk about reality, which is coaches come and go. And it's the AD's job to be prepared when a coach goes if you know it's out of their control. So this is an ongoing thing all the time for college sports, especially at the highest level, football and basketball. It, this is an ongoing thing for these administrators. Yeah, we. I mean, we heard. Just look at last time when UNLV was uh, was looking for a coach, and they ended up hiring T.J. Otzelberger, who had been on, you know, Desiree Reed Francois's list. Uh, she had a list, and she had you know going back uh, that she had been working off, and she had created it a year before Marvin Menzies was even gone. But you, yep. as you said, you always have to be prepared. Like, look at Wichita, and what they did is just promoted the the assistant, but. Like they went into the season thinking, "Hey, we've got a coach. We've had a coach for the last fifteen years who's been awesome." And then he, he there's a report that comes out, and he has to get fired right before the season starts. Like you have to always have a list of what you would do, even if that includes people that are already on your staff uh, that would potentially you know move up. But yeah, you always have to be prepared for anything to happen. Hell, Penn State had an interim, and I guess that buys you the time to name a new head coach. Did Penn State wait like more than eight seconds after their season was over? To name the next guy? No, I they were pretty good. ready to go. Now that now they they had they had notice they had fired their coach, they had an interim in place. But you get my point. Like it's always working. We just saw New Mexico today. I mean, it, it wasn't that long after news became official yesterday. I think when we were uh, just coming on the air, just on the air, that Richard Pitino was gone from Minnesota, and by this morning, it's announced, or at least it, you know it's, it comes out in the media that Pitino, Richard Pitino. Is the guy? I mean, this and this stuff happens so quickly. I, I was reading Twitter earlier, and one, you know, another uh, sports talk host was mentioning Richard Patino as a as a candidate for trying to make a joke about a Patino coming to UNLV, and was like, "Hey, Richard Patino, like, and he's already gone. <laughs> it's already done." Steve, Steve, think. Of, I mean, you just said it, but just put it in perspective again. We did an interview on yesterday's show with a media person from Minnesota who said he was friends with Richard Patino. Yeah, who yeah. was like. Yeah, we hope that he keeps the job. That was on our show yesterday. We came we had on actually, the air today. We, we had to actually tell Ben Lieber, like, uh, Ben, I'm sorry, but I know you're friends with Rich Pitino, but I think he's gone. Like, it's it's coming down right now. Right, but that was on the show yesterday. We came on the air today. He had already taken a new job. <laughs> That's insane. Yep. It's, it's crazy. But, I mean, it does, it does tell you how fast some of these things work. And, and are you going to say that New Mexico didn't have a list? Of guys that were already, you know, were already in jobs and had jobs in place when they took less than twenty four hours to hire him. Hmm. Do you want to throw out if this is true? If Otz is leaving, do you want to throw out any names or are there some old names that have been on wish list before? I mentioned Patino. I think we'll look into this because he gave a weird quote to Athlon magazine before the season. Um, actually, it was at the very beginning of the season. Uh, talking about his buyout at Iona, and I, I couldn't tell if he was serious or not. So we'll check, but it sounded like it was out of control. And you know what? If you're Iona, of course, you'd be you'd be an idiot not to freaking charge a premium buyout rate on a guy who, you know, you may rehab for a year and then you could have schools coming after him. Yeah, and you know, he made another comment today about how he wants to kind of finish his job, uh, finish his career there. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think somebody on staff we've talked about it, Kevin Kruger. Uh, Todd Simon was a guy that was on staff. He was an interim coach. He did a great job at Southern Utah. 
John Beeline, there's been rumors. If he wants the job, it's his. I, I, I would just hand it to him if he wanted it. Um, there's names all over the place. You hear, like, say a Joe Pasternak could be in the mix from UCSB. You could watch him play in the tournament uh, this week. Maybe he's in the mix. He was in the mix before. Why wouldn't he be this time? All right, we're back tonight with the uh, late night happy hour that goes down at 1030. We'll have some more updates and reaction as this team becomes cemented. Thanks to Ari. We'll see you.